Hello and welcome to Reality Bites episode 126. Now with more police state. For the week of December 30th. Or thirtered? Thirtered? 30th of 2014. This is a Cure Studios production. We are your hosts, Slothan. Brofaxon. And Lorenlaw, bringing you the glories of the UK. If you'd like to sponsor this or any other show made at Kier Studios, you can click on the Donations button found in the top of the Kier Studios page. Again, thank you for sponsoring our show. Now for a bit of banter between the hosts. Just talk about how we've been and if anything is going on. Go into news. You know what? I'm we going... can be found. I, I think I'm going to delete that at some point. What? Go into the news? No, I'm just going to delete that section so you are not going to read it. I'm sure you'll still say something. Oh, yeah, well, it'll just degenerate over time into being less and less sensical. Which is generally the conversation type that we have. So, host, what's next? Well, uh, tell us about your week. Uh, I burned trash today. That's interesting. I burned my mouth last night. Yeah. Uh, I, I set up a uh, little get-together for us on Christmas and recorded a holiday hentai episode uh, for the Drunken Anime plot, which did not go live for some reason. The box did not pick up the mic, which is strange because I was still able to record. So that will be coming out shortly. I know I still haven't put it out. I did the edits already. But, for whatever reason, I just didn't put it out. Maybe I'll do it tomorrow. Because it'll be a holiday, right? So, I think that's about all I've done. Oh, we watched a movie. It was a fantastic movie called Flesh Gordon. Basically porn. No. Very close to porn. Less plotty than a lot of the animes we watch on... On, uh... I don't remember what it's called. Yeah, we actually sell junk of both genders. Yeah, still. Well, you don't get that in uh, anime, and you generally don't get that even in hentai, because they blur those out. Well, human anatomy. I know, I'm just saying. Most of the time, they were just doing stupid shit. The people who were naked. Is that not the case with anime? Also, I watched three movies yesterday, rapidly, rapidly in a row. Uh, first, I watched a movie called Her, which actually turned out to be pretty good. I, I highly recommend it for people. Really? Yeah, uh, especially if you want to think about love and how different types of people interact and are you good for somebody or are they good for you kind of scenario. Uh, and then I watched Robot and Frank, which was really good, about an older gentleman who's kind of going through a bit of dementia and so his son purchases him a robot to basically help him around the house and actually get him to eat better. And, you know, it's almost like a nurse. And they pull off robberies. So that's fun. <laughs> and it was actually pretty funny and enjoyable all around. Uh, a little sad there at the end, but of course it's going to be. It's about old people. Yeah. And then I watched Rushmore, one of Wes Anderson's first films. And that was really... Such a Wes Anderson film. There's no other way to put it. It it really was. It was it was interesting. I found it a bit amusing, but uh, Bill Murray was in it, so that's good. <laughs> so uh, I think that's what I've done. So tell us, Rofaxon, what has your week been like? Um, my water went out. That was fun. Your water went Did out. Your water went out? Huh? Yeah. Yeah, you rich people. Hello? Rofax, and I believe you've gone out. <laughs> his uh, water went out, and now his no, internet has gone no, out. No, no, you came back, but only when we're speaking now. <laughs> Are you very far away from the mic? No, I'm right next to the mic. Well, you got louder all of a sudden, but then you cut out again. Well, this is fun. Ugh. <clears throat> uh. Yeah, well, I, hold on. I'm gonna well, do something. Okay. Press that push okay. talk button. Push talk. <laughs> and and for some reason Here's we are getting a bit of feedback every time I talk and you're talking or making a noise. So that's strange. I'm not sure what that means. <laughs> well, while we wait Any for, anyway. oh, go ahead. Wait, you can hear me now, right? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. 
I've got it on push to talk, so I'll try to keep my finger off the button when you're talking. So, as I said, my water went out. Nope, you, you keep fading out. Oh, uh, really? Then yes. I mean, it literally st starts out where you're in an audible volume, and then it will literally trail down. I'm afraid that makes no sense to me. I have no idea. Maybe your headset's just old and it's starting to do weird things. I know how... Uh... No, it's a new headset. Is it? Really? Maybe it's a new headset and it's doing weird things. <laughs> well, while we wait for Rofax and Slothin, what have you been up to? See, playing a decent chunk of Dofus. Uh, you went back? Yeah. You should be doing something better with your time, like reading a book or something. <laughs> That's funny. Because I know what your subtext is. Of course you do. Um, <clears throat> also playing some more Skyblock in anticipation of getting to record more episodes of Skyblock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we all need to get together and record some episodes with Rofax. And I believe the latest, uh, uh, what is it? Block Party? No, that's not the name of the show. Uh, Battle Block Theater? I think that just came out, so Detective Number 9 needs to get <clears throat> back with him as well. We could all gather our laptops up and be on one Minecraft server. <clears throat> uh, yeah, but who's running that server? I mean, while we're all in one location. Well, that's going to be about half a month away. Yeah. Yeah. We could all do vanilla Minecraft. <coughs> well, that was interesting. Well, that was interesting. Oh God, I hear myself. Oh God, I hear myself. This is just more. very disconcerting. Well, that was fun. We had uh, Slothin arguing with himself. I, I think I hear Rofaxen now. Shuffling around in his room. Possibly. I know there was something else I wanted to say, but I don't remember what it was. Um, I don't know. Hey, can Read you guys hear me now? Yes, for now. Okay. Well, I switched mics again. I think it's your computer, actually. <laughs> Say something that's more than three or four words long. <clears throat> um, let's see, I can go back to that one storm. No, nope. it's still nope. happening. You, you faded out again. All your equipment is so covered in vape that uh, <laughs> it doesn't work anymore. I don't know. You guys will probably have to just go on without me. All right, Rufaxon. It is seeming that way. Uh, if you somehow are able to work it out, jump back into the room and we'll pick off where we left off. But as things are now, uh, as an audio program, I don't believe it's going to work out for you this evening. Yeah, I don't think so either. So, so we'll wish you good evening, unless you somehow fix it, and then you can... We'll, we'll tell you what story to start reading. <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah, because I can hear you guys fine. But... That's so weird. Yeah, you just cuts out. Alright, well, let us uh, start the show. Oh, wait, we've already started the show. Let us start reading the show. Mm -hmm. Okay, let's see here. We... Are on the first news story of the day, which is a slothed news story. If you're disconnected from seen your one. channel. <sighs> and of course, I started yawning while you were. Illegal sex and drugs payoff for Britain. <clears throat> Normally, we wouldn't give much thought to the fact that Britain has surpassed France as the world's fifth largest economy, but this story caught our attention. It was the way in which Britain snagged the highest spot. The amount that Britons spend on prostitutes and illegal drugs has boosted the country in, in the rankings, according to the independent forecasting group, the Center for Economics and Business Research. As a result of the new calculations, it is the first year the UK has included the figures. Britain's GDP rose 2.82 trillion in 2014, up from 2.53 trillion the previous year. France currently does not include the economic benefits of sex work and drug dealing within its calculations. If it did, it might have held on to its coveted fifth-place standing, Center report, report noted. Britain decided to include the seedy side of its economic growth after the European Union changed accounting rules last September. Accountants, however, stressed that it's most likely smoke and mirrors. Eric Dubois, the director of France's statistics 
office, the NC, told the Telegraph newspaper that such commercial activities were not voluntary and therefore will not comply with any new EU rules. Bullshit! He said that the prostitution was a result of mafia networks and trafficking illegal immigrants. Yeah, that's probably bullshit. Look, a correction. <clears throat> a previous version of the story incorrectly said Britain's GDP rose to 2.82 trillion from 2.5 billion. billion. It rose from 2.82 trillion to 2.53 trillion. Yeah, because <laughs> billion wouldn't have been a lot of money for a country. <laughs> um, well... You don't have to. I, I don't I don't feel they have to say anything about... France doesn't have to say anything about the, their illegal activities in their country. However, I kind of applaud Britain for actually doing that, because that shows uh, kind of the spending habits and what kind of... how healthy the economy is. If you're not spending money, the economy's dead. So if you're spending money on prostitutes or drugs, hey, there's still some eco economic growth there, right? Yeah, technically right. <sighs> Alright, since uh, you're the talkative one, <laughs> uh -huh. I guess I'll read the second news story. Man sent back to prison for getting job that started too early in the morning. A prisoner who was released on license is spending Christmas back in jail after he was punished for taking a job which started at 6.15 in the morning. 45 minutes before his nighttime curfew expired, his parole, his parole officer, supervised by a private company, one of 21 put in place in June after the probation service stopped having day-to-day -day supervision of short-term release prisoners. Ashley Stanfield, 48, was released from an open prison in August. He was serving an 18-month sentence for conspiring to, or for conspiracy to steal a car. He was on license, wore a tag, and was made subject to a nighttime curfew. Almost immediately, he started looking for work. In September, he was given a trial as a driver by a delivery company in London. He was then told he had the job and, brought, and bought his own uniform. Stansfield, from Finsburg Park, North London, told his supervising parole officer that he needed to start work at 6.15am, but that his curfew did not end until 7am. Stansfield said the officer told him to go ahead. Two weeks later, he turned up for a scheduled appointed, uh, appointment and was told he was being returned to prison for breaching his curfew. His license was being supervised by the London Community Rehabilitation Company, one of 21 companies put in place by the Ministry of Justice in June to take over the management of prisoners released after serving short-term sentences. Basically something they'd already said before. Anyway, a spokesman for the LCRC said Stanfield parole officer had signed off permission to accept the job, but they were waiting for the government or waiting for the governor of the jail he was released from to do the same. That permission had not come through before Stansfeld started work. Therefore he was in breach of his license and taken to Pentonville prison. His license expires on thirtieth of December when he hoped to be or when he hopes to be released. Laura Aubrey, a long-standing friend of Stanfield, said he had been punished for getting a job. It's disgusting! He was so pleased to be starting work so soon after getting out of jail. He even bought his own uniform. In the year ending March 2014, 17,515 er, 17, people re were recalled to prison, many for minor breaches of their license. According to the Prison Reform Trust in 2013-14, just 25% of the released prisoners entered employment. Quoting that figure, Julie Lyon, the director of the Prison Reform Trust, said, Work and safe housing and family support are the three things most likely to stop reoffending. Every effort should be made to enable someone to take on responsible paid work on release. A spokesman for the probation service said that home detention curfews can be altered to enable ex-offenders to take up a job, but the change must be approved by their supervising officer and the prison service. This can take several days, and we advise ex-offenders not to breach their curfew times until the change is finished, as this may result in them being recalled. What say you, Slothin? That's uh, ridiculous. You think it's ridiculous? So, so we should arbitrarily follow rules and not rules? What do you think? Say that again in a way that's sane. Arbitrarily following a rule, or not following a rule. 
arbitrarily follow a rule or arbitrarily not follow a rule. Because what you're saying is, ah, screw it. I mean, yeah, you told me to do something, and maybe I may have committed a crime or something, so therefore, you know, as long as I'm getting a job, I should just go get the job. Well, no. The thing is, with this, they were... Actually, I don't know. For all I know, he knew that he needed to get the warden, or the governor's signature. Or maybe he didn't know that. Maybe they didn't make Ignorance that Ignorance is no him. defense. Of bureaucracy? Yes, yes. Ignorance of bureaucra bureaucracy is a defense. All laws Ignorance are bu of... bureaucracy. No. They are just arbitrarily made. That doesn't make them bureaucracy. Well, it does when they're made from bureaucrats. <sighs> now you're splitting nits. Nits? <laughs> it's like uh, picking nits and splitting hairs, but instead you're splitting nits. Well, that's just too bad, sir. My battery died. Alright, well... Sad panda. Um, looks like Rofaxon may be back. He may jump in here in a minute. I don't know. But, for the time being, read the story. Glasgow, crash, joke, tweet, ends in arrest for Sunderland Man. Yeah, that larger. Make my monster grow. Exactly. Police have arrested a 19-year-old man over an offense t offensive tweet about the Glasgow bin lorry crash that has killed six people. <sighs> The tweet, which has since been deleted along with the account that posted it, joked about the tragedy in which the driver lost control of the vehicle and drove on the pavement hitting Christmas shoppers like pinballs. The tweet said, So a bin lorry has apparently driven in, driven in 100 people in Glasgow, eh? Probably the most trash it's picked up in one day. <laughs> oh, that's terrible, but kind of funny. The arrested man, believed to be Ross Lorraine from Sunderland, handed himself into Northumbria Police. Police. The force said he was arrested on suspicion of making a malicious communication and had been bailed while they investigated. That's not a malicious communication, it's a joke. Speaking before the arrest was announced, Steve Kunkles. A solicitor specializing in media law said the tweet could constitute an, offen an offense under the Communications Act. That's idiotic. It's a joke. He added some of the response to the tweet, including insults and threats, could also be offen an offense under the same act. Oh, that's stupid. Um, the wisdom of the crowd is not always present in situations like this. And the wisdom of this one guy seems to have deserted him. Bullshit! It was a joke! But whether this would justify an arrest or prosecution, I'm not sure. No. People mourning the tragedy tweeted their anger at this and other sick jokes they said others were making on social media. People making jokes about what happened in Glasgow yesterday, most disrespectful thing I've seen in a while. Some people are disgusting. That's an offensive communication. Yeah. What happened in Glasgow was a horrific tragedy, but you can't tell off one person for making sick jokes. You'd allow Carr and Boyle, etc. to do it. Speaking earlier today, Scottish First Minister Nicola Sturgeon said that Glasgow was waking with a broken heart, but praised the city's resilience. The city will pull together to support those who have been affected, not just in the days ahead, but in the weeks and months to come. The city is not a thing. It can't be resilient. It's not a, an entity that has resilience. So, Rofaxon, People some guy made a tweet? Some guy made a tweet, and apparently it was somehow so offensive that they arrested him. Well, obviously, um, and I hope my sound is back. Tell me if it's not. Um, it, really? How is it so offensive that they arrested him? Wait, which country did this happen in? Not at all. <laughs> That's not a country. Uh, this is, uh, I, I think it's in the UK, it's in Glasgow, so... Is that Ireland? Uh, or, no, is that Scotland? Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, maybe they don't have free speech over there. <laughs> they don't! I thought, I thought they did, but yeah, they that... just got rid of it. No, this is stupid! <laughs> you hurt my feeling! Okay, really? No, no. I don't well, care what you say on Twitter. He, he tweeted something about offensive about all these deaths that just happened. 
He should be put to jail. I'm sorry, that really doesn't make any sense. I don't know what he said, because I've been in and out with changing settings, but... He said, so a Ben Lorry has apparently driven in 100 people in Glasgow, eh? Perhaps that's the most trash it's picked up in one day. (laughs) (laughs) That was my response. It's a joke. Who cares? All right, let's let's say it wasn't a joke, though. I mean, it's on Twitter. People just say horrible things on Twitter. It's the internet. People say horrible things on the internet. That's what you do. Did he hurt anybody? Did he cause someone physical harm? No, he didn't. He caused me to swerve off the road when I read that. Well, he should have. Why were you reading while driving? Yeah, I'm not reading while driving. It was a joke. See? See? Joke? Maybe you should be put in jail. Uh, I probably should be. No, that's ridiculous. All right. Uh, We'll move on to the next news story, which I believe I will be reading. Wait, wait, wait. Yes. Don't tell me. You are... Do you still have your things open? Yes. Okay. So you will be doing... The next one. So I'll read this one, and then we're back in in in, in good good standing. Google. Okay. Google alerts the FBI to YouTube comment threatening to kill cops. So another internet thing. A Colorado man named Jeremiah Perez has been arrested for committing or for a comment he posted on YouTube threatening to kill retired helpless cops, which Google itself reported to authorities. Mountain View called the up the FBI in San Francisco after someone with the username Vets Hunting Cops posted this comment on one of its videos. Since Darren Wilson, our group has killed six retired sheriffs and cops. Because of this event, we will hunt two more in Colorado this week. For every innocent citizen that cops kill, we veterans will kill retired helpless cops. Cops are the real enemies of freedom-loving Americans and time to strike back in in all-out war now is now. Darren Wilson, as you know, was the cop who shot 18-year-old Michael Brown in Missouri. The FBI tracked down the commenter's location using his account and then scoped out Perez's residence for a day before the agents obtained a search warrant. They determined that he was the one who posted the comment after looking through his computer, where they also found search terms like kill Barack Obama and hunt Darren Wilson's family. To be clear, Perez was arrested without incident. He admitted to posting those threats, but claimed that he never intended to follow through. According to the U.S. Attorney General's office, authorities figured that he knew law enforcement agents would eventually read the post, and he intentionally wanted to scare them. U.S. Attorney General John Walsh also said that people other than Perez posting comments online threatening to kill police officers should expect to get some very serious attention from authorities. This isn't the first time Google's reports to authorities have led to an arrest, though. Back in August, the company's child porn detection technology spotted incriminating images in users' Gmail account. Wow. People were worried that meant the tech juggernaut was looking through everyone's emails, but Google maintained that an automated system was responsible for the discovery and couldn't actually parse users' conversations. Sure. You know, when anything like that is leaked out, even if it's just for, you know, AdSense and all that because they do read what goes on in your emails, even if it is a computer, and then they make ads based upon, you know, the conversation, Uh, that means there is a way for others to look at it very easily if they wanted to. And if any kind of mm, word is exchanged that might alert or or might arouse suspicion, they can just easily go in there and look at it. So be careful. Don't say anything nasty now. Or you get a knock on your door. Okay. Honestly, anybody who thinks that email is secure and somebody can't pick up what you're saying at a coffee shop, you're dumb. It's not secure. It's it's not secure. Unless you're doing some encrypted crazy thing, just imagine that everybody can read your email because they can. Yes. And Especially if it's Google. Absolutely. But I mean, you, you can set up you can set up your own email server if you want. 
That's something you can do. Yeah, but if you're not using encryption, someone can still just intercept the traffic and read it. Well, not even just intercept the traffic. If the person you're sending an email to is using a Gmail account or some other free service, well, then that obviously will. they're going to see that too. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just saying, they, they pick this guy up. They pick this guy up. He, he said something mean and threatening. Uh, I guess it was a threat? That is pretty explicit, explicitly threatening. It is, but what action did he actually take? Because he didn't... So if I say, I'm going to kill you, I, I'm going to kill you, Slothin. That does warrant a certain amount of observation. Does it mean you should be arrested? Not necessarily. You know, it's... But people uh, should probably pay attention to you. People should definitely pay attention to you. It is kind of tricky, you know, there is such a thing as a death threat, which is illegal... And exactly when something falls into a death threat can be sort of a gray area. Yeah, I don't know. It seems a little far to arrest people, but... Because, you know, nobody did get hurt. But then again, you know, if I am threatening somebody's life, just turning the other... You know, ignoring those threats doesn't necessarily seem like a good idea either. Mm-hmm. Maybe just enhanced surveillance would be a good idea. You know, who are they threatening to kill, and can you find evidence that they're getting ready to actually, you know, kill that person? Would and probably I mean, be a good idea. And I mean, that person. Think about it. How easy is it to communicate online? How easy is it to send out a message to anyone you feel like? It's very easy. You could easily do that. If you're going to send a letter, a threatening letter to somebody, that's a little bit more difficult. You got to involve the post office, you got to get stamps, or you got to at least go to their house. You got to do all these things. If you're sitting at your computer, fuck it. It's the easiest thing in the world. That's almost like you didn't put a lot of effort into it, so therefore you should not have that much scrutiny based upon that. Yeah, you might yeah, be but... able to be looked at or whatever, but it's not. I don't think it's as equal as if you were to do something physically. Like, send a, ma send a letter. I think what it is equal to is, you know, you're living in this virtual world is the same rules that would apply in the real world. If I was walking down the street and I saw a person and I said, hey, you, I'm going to shoot you in the face, what would the appropriate response be to that? And the answer to that question is the same answer as what the appropriate response would be to what somebody's saying online. Because it's it's easy and non-trivial, or it's easy and trivial to yell to someone, "Hey, you! I'm going to shoot you in the face." It's not hard. There's no work going into it. There's no finding out where they live and going to their house. You just notice somebody on the street and said, "Hey, I'm going to shoot you in the face." What is the appropriate reaction to that? And I think that's the same reaction as the internet. I think too often we're like, well, "The internet has special fancy rules because it's different somehow," but I'm pretty sure for me. It should be the same rules on the internet as in the real world. So what's the appropriate response for me saying, hey, I'm going to kill you walking down the street? And I think that's the same response that, you know, this guy should get. A punch but in the face? there is a warning in here. There is a warning in here that I think you need out, Lore. If you post stuff online, people are going to see it. And Google doesn't want to get in trouble, so they're going to report it. So keep that in mind. Yes. All right. Uh, hey, it's your news story, and I believe it is your second news story about Google. Google self-driving car? Yep. Google's... Oh, I wanted to know what that first one was about. I'll read it after show. Google self-driving car will take to the roads in 2015. The self-driving, goofy-looking car with no steering <laughs> wheel or pedals that Google revealed in May is now fully functional and should start testing on public roads next month, the tech giant says. Over the past seven months, Google has made a series of prototypes testing different aspects of the design, from steering and braking to the sensors and software that bring it all together. The result, it says, is our first complete prototype for fully autonomous driving. In contrast, the gradual approach to autonomous driving advocated by losers like Audi, Mercedes-Benz, and General Motors, Google is going for what it calls a moonshot. I don't like that word. It's overused. 
in the next five to ten years, it plans to introduce a car that's so over the idea of human drivers it won't even come with a steering wheel or pedals. That's the vision of this prototype, which will be which will first be tested on a closed track, then on public roads after the new year. Operators will have temporary manual controls and be ready to take over in case something goes wrong. But those controls will not be steering wheels or a brakes. I don't get that. The new version doesn't look too different from the one we saw on May. It's still roughly the size of a smart car. It looks like an egg with the face of a koala. <laughs> the obvious difference are the additions of rear headlights and the design of the lidar vision system which now sits flush on the roof instead of a roof instead of on roof mounted supports we're still disappointed that google didn't take this opportunity to create something cooler the advent of self-driving cars will wipe out many basic rules for automotive design the most unquestionable standards like forward-facing seats mirrors and foot operated controls will no longer be necessary automakers can go nuts but google didn't they didn't go nuts. It went kind of lame. Google doesn't plan on producing the car itself, which is probably why it's lame. Once it comes time to go to the market, project director Chris Ermson told the Wall Street Journal recently, here's what the prototype revealed in May looks like. And there's pictures in the article. Yeah, they're not going for cool. But who cares? It's self driving car yeah except they're not gonna make it there there are problems with self-driving cars even though they've not had any accidents uh, that were not reported by humans uh, or that were not because of a human error um weather doesn't do well in in rainy even slightly rainy especially stormy weather uh slick snow conditions like that doesn't do well than that either so it's not a yeah neither does my car well, I'm just saying it cannot drive in those conditions. So what you're saying uh, is they should introduce it in Vegas. Yeah, uh, in a nice dry area that doesn't rain often, you probably have an alright car there. Otherwise, you're kind of screwed. Notice there are no windshield wipers on it because you can't drive it in that weather. They will get that figured out soon enough. Things always get better and better. Well, when you can't the see the cars. road and you have to assume the road is there and you gotta you gotta think that you know this route and you know this road because when snow conditions happen and they haven't plowed you gotta kind of know where the road is just using your mind and the car may not have that yet no it's got gps it knows exactly where the road is you can't see the road it can except for the condition you, you gotta uh, make. It can, I'm just saying it, it is not there, there yet. It is not there yet. I this sounds like a perfect car I for underground roads. Underground roads, perfectly fine. Yeah, yeah, that'd be cool. But I think the beauty of a smart car is we don't need to do a complete overhaul on roads. Because if we had to do a complete overhaul on roads, then you know this is stupid and it's really not going to work. Because we will never fund that ever. Um, I think made a lot of progress and. Sure, it will be difficult in certain situations, but I think they're going to get better and better until they can drive in every condition that a regular car can drive in. I have a lot of confidence in self-driving cars. Plus, it's cool. Who wants to drive their own car? Lame. The lack of a driver or any driving controls made it suddenly evident these are the taxi cabs of the future. Yeah. Um, yes. It, it'll be like an Uber where you do not need to own a yeah. car anymore. You'll just kind of call one up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It'll or just be a fleet of them in a city. Yeah. yeah, probably. Because it'd be super easy. You just put a bu push a button on your smartphone and um, the car comes and picks you up. I don't know. I don't think car ownership is going to continue to drop that much just because in America we like stuff and we have a huge emphasis on, like, owning things. And, I mean, I don't know if that's going to completely go away. It's certainly kind of going away. Uber's getting more popular and all of these sharing stuff is getting more popular, but that's because we're in a recession and we're all poor. Soon, if the economy recovers and we all get rich again, we're just going to want stuff as much as we always did. Then everyone will own things again. Seems more likely that the, uh, what 
seems like to have been a recovery is going to be temporary. Yeah, we're going to have another dropout, what, 2017? Is that what they were saying? If that far off. Yeah, well, that's, probably. That's I mean, we're going to hit the Great the Depression again. The economy is far from fixed. I'm willing to admit that. And we might go through another depression. But we'll eventually get out of it. You know, that's like... 30 years in the future, we'll eventually get out of it. And I think the ideal of owning your own things is going to come back. So I don't think we'll ever be to the point where, like, people won't own cars. During a Depression era, we might, we will probably get there. But when that's done, everyone's going to own their own self-driving car. But you're right. It would make a great taxi cab. And imagine how much money the cab companies could save. You'd have all the booking and billing done on your phone, so there's no way they'd get stiffed for a cab and you don't or fare, and you don't have to hire a driver. I mean drivers are expensive. Don't have one, I mean there could really be a big business opportunity there. And it's probably gonna be it's not gonna be yellow cab that does it. It's probably gonna be some startup company, maybe Uber. Uber would make sense to do it. And yeah, there's gonna be a lot of money in that. And no and cab I think dri- it's cool. I think it's awesome. And no cab driver no cab means driver. no tip, which means it's going to be yes. cheaper for the customer, the ones who aren't yes. dicks. I mean, for the ones who are dicks, it's going to be, well, actually, it'll probably be cheaper, too, because, you know, no cab driver. You don't have to pay another person. So, uh, when are we starting to buy this imagine? fleet? Because we, let's start yeah. this business now. <laughs> okay. Can you imagine the uh, cab union's reaction to this, though? Oh, yeah. I mean... But you can't do anything uh, about it. I mean, sorry. Well, the cab union might be able to. What are they going to do? Make them illegal. Make them illegal. Eh. That's how business works. If you have competition, you make it illegal. I mean, that's not how, like, good business works, but that's how business in America works. Like, oh, man, they're taking our business away. Let's make them illegal. Uh, All right. That that would be my big worry. Okay, let's move on to the next news story, which is mine. Uh, Zero emission house charges itself and your car. Architecture firm Snoheta has put its stamp on some pretty high-profile places with some very high-profile projects. The Oslo Opera House, of course. The National September 11th Memorial Museum Pavilion in New York City. Soon enough, their overhaul of Times Square will create, or Times Square will crater to the 400,000 plus pedestrian that walk through the site every day. Did I don't... you say crater? Yes. Cater. Oh, well, cater, too. See, that makes more sense. I was like, is this written poorly? No, I'm reading poorly. Anyway, the firm has its main offices in Oslo, Norway, and New York City. Works on some quieter projects, too, like the Zeb Pilot House, situated in a less-than-glamorous industrial stretch of Larvik, Norway, some 80 miles south of Oslo. Even though it's out of the limelight, the Zeb House, a collaboration between Snohetta and the Research Center on Zero Emission Buildings, could have a major impact on residential architecture going forward. Not only is it a zero-emission house, it's a plus house, meaning it actually produces excess energy. It's enough that an electric car could drive for 12,500 miles on the surplus energy from the Zeb. Most of this happens through the solar panel roof, which is tilted at a 19 degree angle towards the southeast to capture as much light as possible. A 45 degree angle would have actually been the optimal position, said the lead architect Annie Cecile Hogg, but that would have made the house cartoonish in scale and difficult to build. Settling on the best angle for capturing light over a long period of time took all this back and forth with the engineers and us, she says. But the tilted roof can be modified and applied to other buildings in new orientations. A home in Australia, for instance, would need to tilt north. No shit. And buildings with different functions might want to capitalize on certain times a day. An office building would want to harvest more electricity in the middle of the day than when everyone's running their when everyone's running their computers, Hogg said, of a building that might want to or want a flatter angle to catch noon light. Because solar energy is most efficient when used in real time, when panels are harvesting electricity, the Zep house is especially enabled by the connected home gadgets. Using a smartphone to turn on the washing machine while you're at work means the house can power itself off available daylight rather than stored energy. 
or smart thermostats with the help of geothermal heating and a heat exchange system connected to the home's gray water recycling can remember to conserve electricity for Friday nights to optimize heating when families are home. Tricked out as it is, the Zeb Pilot House is ultimately designed for people. So Snowheta was careful to include a series of organic but still energy saving touches like beeswax laminated aspen wood in the bedrooms. The wax reacts with the natural moisture in the air, helping to keep the room temperature steady. The concrete and brick supporting the solar roof came from the Norwegian version of eBay and can naturally trap heat and cool air, conserving some energy from the house's heating and cooling system. We tried to make an outdoor and indoor situation which felt like a real home, Hogg said. It's very high. T it's a very high-tech house, but we were working a lot to make it feel homey, make it feel like somewhere you can live. Yay! Look, another house. Or you could just, you know, get a trailer with a solar panel on top of it, live in a very, very small, confined area, which doesn't sound horrible to me, and uh, not have to use so much electricity to heat and cool and all that. Just saying. All right. But the idea is neat, but... I want to be very clear, this house looks ridiculous. It just looks so unbelievably stupid. It's a little that, wonky. Really? Yeah, no, it's a lot wonky. Um, it's aesthetically it's offensive. It's really bad. Yes, it's aesthetically offensive. But the concept is there, and if you can make it look like um, not shit, then <laughs> yeah, that'd be cool. Well, that'd that's pretty, your own personal opinion. Good. I think it looks rather no, nice. No, it's... Then you're wrong. There's oh. a giant Sorry, chunk missing out of it. No! <laughs> it looks so bad. And they did not follow... Okay, if you set a precedence of having a, rec... of, of having a rectangular panel going toward the ground, and then you chop a chunk out, even if you chop a chunk out, you keep that precedent going. You don't get to a door and then veer off to the side. Keep it going. No, everything about this house is just aesthetically disgusting. Awesome concept. You know, I really like the idea, but it looks horrible. Oh, God. A, a lot of the new architecture is really shit these days, though. I mean, I don't know if they're going for new just to be new or, or what, but I mean, I do not like a lot of the modern architecture. I was a huge fan of Bauhaus, so I'm not, like, stuck in the 19th century here. But I wonder how much of this is, like, aesthetically designed poorly and how much it has to look like shit because it's, like, catching sunlight and stuff like that. I feel like they could have designed it to not look like shit. And once that's the case, I would be really excited about this. Well, I think I'm, I'm just going to put a guess out there. Uh, the reason for some of these cuts and breaks and and weird door placement is probably to keep wind from hitting into the house in certain areas and yeah. to make sure the rooms are small enough that they can conserve the heat and, and, and the, the angles are probably there because of the solar panel, obviously, and all these other things. So it may be designed by not a architectural designer, but an architectural engineer. It could be. It could be that the hideous, painful-to-look-at shape is necessary. And that would be a little less exciting because, you know, I would not want to live in that house. I, you know, if someone gave it for, to me for free, obviously I'd take it. But I would not. I would, it would be very hard for me to pay money to live in that monstrosity. And I don't know how much better they can make it look, you know, aesthetically. I don't know. It, neat idea. Super neat idea, though. And what's wrong with a 45-degree angle in a house? I, I think they probably... See, honestly, yeah, the they should like have they they taken the whole front or back or side of the building whatsoever. Just made that whole section just the roof that tilts all the way down to the bottom to meet the ground. And then you'd have this big flat surface to collect as much sunlight as you want. And then maybe some storage room right underneath that ledge that right before it hits the ground we have we have uh, it, it would almost look like a lean-to mm -hmm. like and that frame kind of well no and... it probably would have a flat wall otherwise oh, oh. or instead of i don't know a with wall, the wall have it go into a hillside 
Which would make sense too, because that would also insulate and be great. Produce that. You can make mass produce that. You can make mounds of dirt. (laughs) Uh, yeah, yes. Not very. uh, That's a lot of work, and it's not necessarily cheap. Yeah, the thing is, I think what would be really cool is remember. I don't know if you ever saw this back when I was a kid, though. I had some neighbors who like trucked in a house, literally. Two trucks drove down the road, and they plopped a house down, and they, like, super glued it in the middle or something. I don't know what they did. (laughs) But it was a cheap, mass-produced house. And if our cheap, mass-produced houses could be, like, super energy efficient, I think that it would really take off at that point in time. But if every one, every single house, you have to, like, get a designer and a contractor and an energy guy and all these different people so only like super rich people are getting them it's not necessarily going to succeed because it's not accessible to normal people so i like the idea and i mean Bauhaus was sort of about this too everything being mass producible which i thought was really cool because more people can use it and people like office buildings an office building is not going to buy enough property to put a giant pile of dirt behind their office i don't think they're going to do that but if it's something more mass producible you know that's cheap to get in there proven technology they really might do that and i'm sure that a lot of the energy usage in the country comes from things like office buildings so I'm hoping it can be mass-produced in the future and become affordable. I think a lot of the concerns, like structural concerns and things like that, could be dealt with to within a certain degree of error in a computer. You know, you design your house in the computer based on using a program, based on the land that you have available, and then you run it by an expert just to check it over. You don't hire the uh, expert that, you know, to design it. Well, and with drones getting super affordable, I, by the way, the Vision, Phantom Vision 2 is an awesome looking drone that I want. But they're getting affordable. You could just take an aerial picture of the land that you want and feed that into the computer. And Yeah, and then the person could play around with this program that wouldn't be overly expensive, maybe even free. It's like use this program to build your dream house and, you know, we'll do the rest. And then they could get it to a point where they liked what it looked like and the computer is going to take out most of the errors. It won't let them make stupid errors. And then, yeah, like Slothan said, just run it by an expert and basically a guy to, you know, go through a checklist and be like, yep, 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 all, everything's good. That'd be a really fun way to build... I'm, I'm never going to be in the point where I build my own house, but, um, yeah, automating the thing, that... That that could be a real uh, solution to it. The Neat idea. The program itself could be horribly expensive, but it's the sort of thing that a a construction firm would want to have to offer to their customers. Right. Right. I mean, free to the customer. A customer can jump online and design their house for free because the company knows that it would it would have to be proprietary. This wouldn't be open source. But the company would know that the only way, they would be the only ones who are able to read it. So, you know, you can design it and you're, you see a pretty picture, but none of the specifics like this is this material and this is that material and this is 13.2 inches, none of that is available to the consumer. You have to go with the company to decode it, so to speak, so it can actually be built. So the blueprints it generated would be useless to everybody except the company whose program it is. And then it'd totally be cost-effective to be like, yeah, customers, use this internet interface that we have. Build your perfect house. Let us know, and and we'll do the actual construction. And we're going to make a bunch of money on you building a house. So, yeah, it's a worthwhile investment for us. All right. Could hemp nanosheets topple graphene for making the ideal supercapacitor? As hemp hemp makes a comeback in the United States after decades' ban, a decades-long ban on its cultivation, scientists are reporting that fibers from the plant can pack as much energy and power as graphene, long touted as the model material for supercapacitors. They're presenting their research, which which a Canadian startup company is working on scaling up, at the 248th National Meeting of Exposition National Meeting. 
National Meeting and Exposition of the American Chemical Society in San Francisco this week. Ooh, definitely make that print larger. Really? Yeah. Tiny. Drops like half the font when it goes down to this bit. David Mitlin, PhD, explains that supercapacitors are energy storage devices that have huge potential to transform the way future electronics are powered. Unlike today's rechargeable batteries, which sip up energy over several hours, supercapacitors can charge and discharge within seconds, but they normally can't store nearly as much energy as batteries, an important property known as energy density. One approach researchers are taking to boost supercapacitors' energy density is just to design better electrodes. Mitlin's team has figured out how to make them from certain hemp fibers, and they can hold as much energy as the current top contender, graphene. Our device's electrochemical performance is on par with or better than graphene-based devices, Mitlin says. The key advantage is that our electrodes are made from bio-waste using a simple process, and therefore are much cheaper than graphene. The race toward the ideal supercapacitor has largely focused on graphene, a strong light material made of atom-thick layers of carbon, which when stacked can be made into electrodes. Scientists are investing investigating how they can take advantage of graphene's unique properties to build better solar cells, water filtration systems, touchscreen technology, as well as batteries and supercapacitors. The problem is it's expensive. Mitland's group decided to see if they could make graphene-like carbon from hemp hemp bast fibers. The fibers come from the inner bark of the plant and often are discarded from Canada's fast-growing industries that use hemp for clothing, construction materials, and other products. The U.S. could soon become another supplier of bast. It now allows limited cultivation of hemp, which unlike its close cousin, does not induce highs. Scientists had long suspected that there was more value to hemp bast. It was just a matter of finding the right way to process the material. We've pretty much figured out the secret sauce of it. Says, <laughs> really? Yeah, that's what it says. Uh, who's, says Mitlin, who is now with Clarkson University in New York. The trick is to really understand the structure of a starter material and to tune how it's processed to give you what would rightfully be called amazing properties. His team found if they heated the fibers for 24 hours over a at a little over 350 degrees Fahrenheit, and then blasted the resulting material with more intense heat, it would exfoliate into carbon nanosheets. Mitlin's team built their supercapacitors using the hemp-derived carbon as electrodes and an ionic liquid as their electrolyte. Fully assembled, the device performs far better than commercial supercapacitors in both energy density and the range of temperatures at, over which they can work. The hemp-based devices yielded energy densities as high as 12 watt-hours per kilogram, two to three times higher than the commercial counterparts. They also operate over an impressive temperature range, from freezing to more than 200 degrees Fahrenheit. We're past the proof-of-principle stage for the fully functional supercapacitor, he says. Now we're gearing up for the small-scale manufacturing. Manufacturing. Mitlin, who conducted the research while at University of Alberta, acknowledges funding from Alberta Innovates Technology F Futures National Institute for Nanotechnology, Canada, and Alberta Livestock and Meat Agency. Fascinating. Oh, okay. <laughs> and that's really all we have to say because honestly, that's just kind of cool. Yay! Damn yeah. it! Really Dennett. cool sounding techno babble more... that I mostly understood. What's that? You saying? Was Laura? Weren't you saying something about there being drawbacks to the carbon? Yes. Drop? Yes. The uh, they are toxic when in contact with skin yeah. and breathing and everything it's 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 like asbestos only worse i was thinking i was thinking you mentioned that so i mean for just that reason alone if this works just as well maybe it doesn't have the same toxic effects maybe it does i don't uh, know I, I would assume it does because they're making the same kind of carbon oh really so kind they of graphene it, it, it's the microscopic kind of scale of it that's probably what causes it to be so toxic? Uh, if okay. any bit of it I was... gets on your skin or something like that. But I, I don't know for sure. Again, not a scientist, and I haven't researched it. If you're interested, go out and do your research. Yeah, I haven't looked. and I figure once they've actually made a working something out of it that I want, I'll dig in a little deeper. And yeah, it's cool.
All right, Rofaxon, it is your turn for the next news story. Local ISP offers internet speed 10 times faster than Google Fiber. Finally! <laughs> uh, when Kansas City and others gloat about their gigabit internet from Google Fiber, a small internet service provider in Minnesota is about to offer stupid fast 10 gigabit connection to consumers. U.S. Internet just announced that the new service will be available to 30,000 households in Minneapolis next summer. It'll be expensive too, at $400 a month. But wait, let's back up to the 10 gigabyte gigabit detail. That's about 10 times faster than Google Fiber. And gigabit Ethernet is already a benchmark so impossibly fast it's hard to imagine how any average consumer would use that much bandwidth. That said, Google is actively working on achieving 10 gigabyte speeds too. The little local ISP from Minnetonka just beat them to it. The ISP is advertising its new service as the first 10 gigabyte internet in the world. And while that's not necessarily true, the company's offering 10 gigabyte connection for households is certainly a first in the United States. This all begs the question, does anybody really need 10 gigabyte inter gigabit internet? Sure. Uh, those kinds of speeds are usually only used to link servers and data centers, and most home computer hardware would max out at lower speeds. In effect, nothing average American would do on the web would even require speeds that fast. A 10 gigabit connect would open up all kinds of new possibilities in terms of uploading videos and even setting up service in homes, though. If anything, U.S. Internet's power play illustrates just, just how screwed up the broadband industry in this is in this country. Okay, dial actually like this. While Comcast has offering 50 megabit per second connections to consumers for $77 a month, U.S. Internet has been offering 1 gigabit second connections for $65 a month. So that's exponentially faster for $12 less per month. Now building on that infrastructure, they're going to increase speeds tenfold and continue to offer cheaper speeds relatively. It's not so much that Comcast can't do the same thing, the cable giant just won't. And I don't know why they attacked Comcast there, but it's kind of justified because they're jerks. And I don't actually... Um, I don't even get Comcast where I live, which is why I have like three... whatever, anyway. The, I think this is cool, and you know they're right. It's completely pointless at the moment. But, with virtual reality on the horizon, we really might need those speeds when we uh, all hang out in our virtual world. Yeah, and have virtual sex with everybody. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> seriously, with um, the sonic -y, you know, the, they're doing a lot of tactile things so you can feel things in a virtual world, and they're working on the virtual thing, and um, 10 gigabyte internet... Yeah, when we have our robot sex, we're going to need these speeds. And you don't want to be download, you know, have a loading screen halfway through your robot sex, so... And the way technology is going, we're getting to the point where a uh, contact suit, which is a suit that you wear over your entire body, and, yeah. like, if a virtual person touches you, then the suit can, like contract or depress on you in ways that feel vaguely similar to to contact with something else so you know that maybe that takes a lot of data maybe it's looking at the entire body the entire suit over all of you well and and giving sensations and that could be a lot of information or not i don't I know i think the really more exciting part is um, that Sonic-y stuff Lore was talking about, or I think it was Lore was talking about last week, where you get that effect without having to wear a big, bulky suit. Oh, yeah! But, suit or not, and I really vote for no suit. I'd love not to have a suit. Um, you know, right now we are passing audio and visual communications. Um, that's what we're doing on the internet. But yeah, imagine how complicated it would be to pass all of that information, plus watch what your head is doing, plus um, record and receive some sort of um, tactile 
information going back. That might take gigabytes, so gigabits. So we are going to need this technology in the future, I'm sure. All right. Um, we are actually very, very, very... Actually, we're at the hour mark. Um, do you want to just save these stories for next week? Yeah, it's fine. All right. I'll just go back and delete them from the post. So why don't we just wrap up with our final thoughts and things? Oh, wait. This is not that show, is it? We don't do no. final thoughts. So, I guess I'll just say, hey, Sloth, where can I find you on the internet? Twitter, Tumblr, not really, Google+, and Rofaxon's YouTube channel, where I can be seen occasionally and heard mostly making silly, terrible jokes. But you're not actually being seen. An avatar representing you might be. Slothen is but seen. But isn't That's Slothen. that Slothen? That's Slothen. 42. Oh. Yeah, 42. <laughs> I'm not. I mean, the person. Slothan doesn't exist. It's a character. Oh. I am a character. You're a character actor. I suppose you could be said. So anyway, uh, Rofaxon, where can we find you online? At Rofaxon on Twitter, and uh, just search Rofaxon channel on YouTube. Yeah, and I'm still putting out videos, which I will continue to do. Anyway, also on the Google Play Store. Excellent. And I can be found as Lauren Law on Twitter and my enemy list, but I can be found everywhere else as Cure Studios, for example, on Twitter, Tumblr, and Google+. Thank you for listening to today's show. We welcome to visit our site at curestudios.galaxy15radio.com, where you can click on the Donate tab at the top of the page and give us a boost of moral support. Also, if you have any feedback or news for the show, please send an email to curestudios at gmail.com. That is K-E-I-R-S-T-U-D-I-O-S at gmail.com. If you like our show, please subscribe. And just for funsies, let your friends and possibly family know about us by giving them copies of our shows. How, Rofaxon? Oh, um, well, what you do is, um, you just burn the show onto a CD and give them the CD and say, hello, family members, I think you will appreciate this. That's pretty blah. What you should do instead is contract a new we've illness. We've never done blah! And I just realized we've never done blah. Now we have. I think we did blah ages ago. I think that's one of the first things that ever got suggested. But, what you should do is contract a new and interesting disease and name it Cure Studios Disease. Where you have nothing but podcasts on your mind at all the time, yeah? No, it doesn't matter what oh, it is. Okay. It's like Lou Gehrig's disease. No. Alter no arterial sclerosis diarrhea. or whatever it is. No. No. Motor neuron disorder, whatever it is. It is motor neuron disorder in Britain. MND? That's much easier to remember than whatever ALS is. Uh, I always yes, want to call it arterial sclerosis for some reason. Anywho. Uh, hey, it's your turn to read. Oh, yeah, it is. Thank you for listening to today's show. No, no, I've already read it, because I'm silly. Um, you need to do this. The opening song is Black Runners by Spleen, which can be found at germando.com. Today's closing song is Electronic Hollyweird by Saturday's Best, which can be found on soundcloud.com. We leave you now to think about hemp nanosheets. Three three nine nine seven seven eight eight two.